We're in a, a series in the book of Matthew just going sometimes verse by verse or chapter by chapter. I'm starting to just grow in love with this gospel. It used to be number three on my list of favorite gospels. It's number two now and getting bumping up against John. And I am just seeing the hand of God, how he's organized through Matthew this gospel. And it really is a series from the beginning of Matthew 1 on discipleship. And uh, last Sunday, the, uh, the title of the message was The Authority of the King. In Matthew 8 and 9, we focused on these 12 miracles of Jesus in different realms of the earth and of life and how he has authority in each realm. And he's demonstrating to us what his authority is like. He was showing us through that list of 12, and and Doc Shell will tell you, I mean, you normally don't preach a 12-point sermon. You, you, we lost you after three, you know, and, and, uh, but that's the way it was laid out, and we're going through these chapters, and today I've got six for you, so that's a lot too, not as, not as much as last week, but... Uh, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things you need to, to know and apply. But there is this call to discipleship through this book of Matthew where we are disciples making disciples. And this is the Lord's training. These, this gospel is the Lord's training. And I'm going to ask you to kind of just open up your heart and say, uh, you know, Lord... Um, show me what a disciple looks like. And he's going to say, well, it's me. I look like a disciple. I want you to model me. And, he, and so, Lord, show me how I can be a disciple today in my life and in my world. And authority does have, it, you know, has a lot to do with it. In Matthew 28, Jesus' last words recorded by Matthew before he ascended into heaven, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so we do have this, this um, uh, you know, we have this, this mistake of we, we just limit discipleship as a, a follower of Jesus, like a student of the rabbi, the teacher, which is good, that's right. But it's beyond that, and you'll see that in the Scriptures today, that, yes, you're a student, you're a listener, you're a learner, you're following, you're watching, but we are more than that, we are to be making disciples. And he gives us authority to do that. Last week, uh, Chuck Stecker was our speaker. And uh, what a dear friend he's been for me over the years. And um, I didn't know what he was going to preach. He didn't tell me and I didn't ask. And, and he went into uh, one of his main points was that the Holy Spirit is bringing people back to church. And we know that some of our spiritual families online and we're asking God to touch you there. And we know that some of our uh, ministries and life groups haven't all come back together today. There's a life group meeting uh, after church for the first time in a while. And I'm excited about that. But I want to I wanna encourage you to do something. It's to ask the Lord for new motivations to come back to church. Ask the Lord for new reasons and purposes to come back to life group. And I believe it's going to be resting in 
this series of discipleship, and it's going to be, Lord, I want to come because I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And if getting together corporately with the body of Christ helps me be a disciple of Jesus to follow you and empower me to be a sent one from you, then, Lord, I want to be at church on Sunday. I want to be at that life group. I want to participate. I want to serve. I want to help. Because if that's, that's the deeper motivation. It's not just going to church, showing up at church just to be. It is deeper than that. It is a motivation before God that he is transforming us to be more like him, a disciple making disciples. And so... Ask the Lord to do that purification during this time. This is an exciting time. We don't have to be down about the pandemic and what it did to us. Let me tell you, God is working and purifying and strengthening his church. So in, we're going to focus in Matthew chapter 10, about half the chapter. I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. That's the end of this chapter when we've seen these 12 miracles uh, over chapter 8 and 9. And this is what he says in Matthew 9, 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus, this is verse 1 of the next chapter. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Let us pray. Lord, we believe your word is powerful. Use it to speak to us and transform us this day to be more like you. Amen. Oh, it's great when God answers prayer instantly, isn't it? Just quickly, promptly, just right then. Sometimes prayers, we have to wait and we have to continue to trust him. And it can be weeks, months, even years later. But this is uh, the Lord of prayer, Jesus, who instructs his disciples to say a prayer. He said, listen, uh, beseech the Lord, ask the Lord, verse 38 of chapter 9, of the harvest to send out workers in his harvest field. And perhaps... His father's okay. He's saying, he's saying, pray, okay? Well, let's pray to the Father right now, okay? Father, send out laborers uh, out in the harvest field all over Israel, uh, our land. You bring the lost sheep back to you, and they're praying in their hearts. And then the next statement, Jesus calls him over and says, I'm giving you authority over unclean spirits to cast them out in every kind of disease. And then he calls them together, and he sends them out. So, Jesus answered their prayer instantly. And he didn't waste time. And so the first uh, image lookalike that I want you to say, what does a disciple look like? What does Jesus want me to become? Number one is, is the empowerment. What kind of empowerment does a disciple have? Well, it's you have been given authority. You've been given a calling. And with this calling... And this authority, you can go and be sent out, summoned by the Lord. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 2, he goes into the names of the 
12 disciples, and this is the first time they're called apostles. And so we're going to look at this word apostle and see what it means. And verse 10 of Matthew, excuse me, verse 5 of Matthew 10 gives us a clue what it means. Verse 5 says, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them. So that's what the word apostle means. It, it means uh, a sent one is an apostle. And so he turned these 12 followers into apostles and he sends them. They, some had been with him for over a year, maybe a year, close to two years. Others maybe about a year because uh, Jesus has been in ministry now for around two years at this time. And he's sending them. So he changed their title and called them an apostle. Uh, this Greek meaning in the, uh, being the sent one is, is, is more than just, yeah, hey, good job. Just go out there and mosey on out there. No, it is an urgent thrusting out. You are sent. It's an urgent time. It's an urgent call. It's an urgent purpose. You're sent out. You're, you're thrust out from me. I am thrusting you out. Get going. Get moving. It's not, y'all come and join us and just relax. No, I'm going. I'm, I'm leaving here. I'm going out. That's the movement. That's the direction. Jesus himself is called an apostle. It's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. So he's called an apostle. He's sent from his father, and then he sends us. This apostle is, is one, is this Hebrews passage goes on, talks about Moses. He's an apostle like Moses. Moses built his house uh, of, of, to the Lord, and Jesus is building his house. He's using us as the, 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 the uh, precious stones and uh, putting us together as the house of the Lord. He's building us. Apostles are sent ones, and they go and build for the Lord. And so this series of this discipleship, the emphasis is being a sent one. So where do Christ's disciples go? What is their purpose? What is direction? It is you are a sent one. That's number two. See, Alan Hirsch, who is a, uh, a, a writer and, and missionary, church planner out of Australia says, every Christian is a sent one. There is, not, there is not such a thing as an unsent Christian. It was such a blessing to be surprised a couple of Sundays ago by Sharnay Irvine, who grew up in this church, and she surprised us. And she was just, a, you know, growing up in the Lord as a teenager, ended up getting married, and is a, a missionary in the frontier uh, Fort Yukon of the frontier Yukon of, of, of Alaska. And there's still time today for you to give toward their churches doing remodeling and their kitchen needs a stove. And we've been asking you to pray about giving toward that stove. And uh, we're going to send that money out uh, here in the next, starting tomorrow, collecting that. So you want to get online. There's a drop-down menu to give toward that blessing her. But she is a sent one. And that's, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, she's going to another culture. They even have a different language up there that they speak. But I know this feeling when God says, you're a sent one. And when 
Back in 2013, I was contacted to begin praying about whether uh, to interview here with the board and pray about coming back to Kentucky from uh, Philadelphia to be lead pastor here. And, and some of my thoughts went like, wow, you know, it'd be great to be back with old friends. And uh, we lived here uh, uh, for 12 years back in the 90s, like going back home and uh, our, our relatives and family here would just be, and God quickly showed me, no, I will be sending you to Kentucky. You're not going back home to go be with friends and just enjoy home. I'm being, I would be sending you. As a missionary mindset, you have a mission. You have a purpose. I'm going to ask uh, Vernon Magnus to come up here. He is someone that has lived and modeled what a sent one looks like. Uh, among us. Uh, Vernon is, is on the board for a couple of decades, I believe. He's led in men's ministry. He's served. He leads our prayer prophetic ministry in his home. Uh, he's part of the Israel uh, Missions Committee. There's so many ways, Vernon, that you uh, have served us over the, I'll say decades. I know it's around three or more, but uh, so grateful for you and Linda. And your heart of evangelist has really grown and matured and he is uh, a chaplain with the um, Christian Motorcycles Association, and they are often on weekends ministering and serving uh, the biker community around our state and country. And um, he has many stories of the harvest and of, uh, of evangelism and God planting seeds. And so I wanted you just to hear from someone that is living it uh, on a consistent basis of being a sent one. We're going to take some, some time Thank here. Thank you. Good morning. Just a little background. Uh, my job as an Austin police officer working undercover was to gather intelligence on all the motorcycle clubs because uh, they were not good people at all. Most that we knew was into every form of crime there was. So we would gather intelligence and gather enough information to go to the grand jury and put the boys in prison. Well, Lynn and I got saved about that time. Everything changed. The compassion that he spoke about that Jesus had began to flow in us. We got invited to a Christian motorcyclist rally in the hill country just outside of Austin in a place called Salt Lake, Texas. Didn't know what to expect. Uh, we had just gotten saved, uh, and we were so on fire uh, that we would minister to a stump if it stayed still long enough. We really would. I mean, we, we were fired up, but didn't know what to expect. And at that time, point, I did not like bikers at all. I put a lot of them in jail and in prison and more than that, and they were not good people. So I didn't know what to expect. But uh, Christian Motorcyclist Association had an evangelist there who was preaching on the river. Uh, and when he got through preaching about the river, which the river was the river of God, and when you slip in, you're done. He's got you. Well, we watched this great big biker get off of his bike uh, when they had the uh, altar call, him and his chick. And they didn't look like Christians. They looked like the typical biker. But something happened. The Holy Spirit called them. They accepted Jesus right then and there. And they both got baptized in the creek right then and there. 
we were impacted so much so that today, over 40 years later, we're still out there in pursuit of the bikers. We love them now. Uh, they're the unlovable. They're sometimes the unreachable. But they are a patriotic group, and they're lost, and we want to save them. We want to preach to them. We want to minister to them. And we carry tracks, coins. We carry everything we can to reach out. And uh, they're not the only ones we reach out to, the biker, but primarily the motorcycle ministry. And I tell you, we do have compassion for them. They're lost, too. Uh, this organization was started by one Baptist minister many years ago who saw the bikers outside his church on a Sunday morning and wanted a way to reach them. And he quit a great ministry in his church, bought a motorcycle, and pursued them. And we're now into 58 nations. We're the world's largest evangelistic motorcycle association. And I pray that that compassion never leave my wife and I. Never, never. Tomorrow's another day, and tomorrow we're going to look for one more. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're leaving here, headed uh, to uh, the western part of the state, and we're going to be on the lookout for those who have left uh, a rally in Sturgis, Kentucky, that ends this morning. And we're going to be looking for one somewhere to tell them about Jesus. Thank you. I'm going to call Vernon back up at the end to uh, help pray over us a commissioning prayer and pray for that compassion of the Lord burning over us at the end of the, the message. Let's keep looking at Jesus depicting for us an image of what a disciple looks like. And we're going to look at... Um, Verse 5 and 6 of Matthew 10. These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, some might think, well, man, that, that, that's kind of mean to Jesus. Jesus to the, to the Gentiles and the Samaritans, Gentiles being those who aren't Jews and Samaritans being those who are a mixture of Jewish and foreign descent and and and. Many Jews wouldn't even touch their, their region, their towns. And, uh, but there's a reason that Jesus did this, and he's not shunning them. He's not uh, excluding them. But he's fulfilling a prophecy of, of, that's over Israel. When Israel was first birthed in Genesis 12, verse 3, it's when Abram, who became Abraham, and first heard God calling him that his family would be God's people, it's described this way in verse 3, and, and I, God, will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and your family, and, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so it is through Israel that all the families, all the nations will be blessed with salvation, that the Messiah would come through the Jews, the word of God would come through uh, the Hebrews. And so this mission that he sent the 12 out on, these 
is, is to the house of Israel. Now, Jesus then would set up times of ministry to Gentiles and, and to the Samaritans. Remember the a Samaritan woman at the well? The disciples didn't want to be there, and, and he spoke into her heart and life, and she gave her heart to Christ and ended up staying there several days having a revival of many people coming to the Lord. So, so again, the way Jesus ended up ministering, he did minister to the Samaritans. He did minister to the Gentiles, the centurion, Roman soldier, and others who were not Jewish. And so don't think this is excluding them in any way. He did work them in. But it was primarily to Israel in order to send them out. So let's look at this locker room talk that Jesus is doing with the 12 just as he sends them out, his pep talk. Verse 7 and 8 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. This is the same message that John the Baptist had and Jesus had been having, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That God is working right now. This message of Jesus is a message to respond now. Make your decision now. The, The gates of heaven are open to you. My heart is open. The grace is available. Respond to me now. Don't delay. Don't put me off. Don't say to maybe tomorrow. But God is working right now. And this phrase in verse 8 says, uh, you know, minister to people and freely you receive, freely give. This is an important phrase and it's part of the attitude, the approach of a disciple. You have so much to give. Well, I don't know, Steve, am I, you know, I just kind of live a boring life and and you, but you have a testimony. Well, you know, my testimony is not very dramatic. You want one of those really dramatic testimonies of someone drastically, you know, changing overnight and, and uh, like that biker testimony. And no, no, let me say, let me tell you, your testimony is powerful. You have so much to give. A seeker who, who's out there that has maybe a knowledge of God but hasn't walked with God. And you've walked with God 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Well, you've got 40 years of testimony beyond that person's zero. Beyond that person's one or two or three or five or ten. You have years of testimony of God's faithfulness and you saying yes repeatedly to him. Well, don't you want a testimony that just, you know, blows the minds of people? Let me tell you, those who have a testimony that came out of a lot of pain and suffering, they listen to your testimony and go, oh. That would have been so sweet if I grew up in a Christian home and gave my life to Christ at a young age. And they would, they, they, they honor that testimony. They, they relish that for their children and their children's children. So your testimony is valuable. It's, it's powerful. And you have so much to give. Well, you know, what, what do you mean I have so much to give? Now remember with your testimony, let me remind you, Revelation 12, 11 says, that there in the, the last book of the Bible, looking back over those who were victorious, that, and they overcame him, the devil, because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. That the testimony and the Christ's blood are a powerful combination in victory over the devil. So your testimony is powerful. 
But what, when am I supposed to be giving, Stephen? What are you talking about? Let me tell you. You want to be free to pray for people. You want to be free to counsel people abundantly, to encourage them, to serve them. Jesus says the attitude, the mindset of a disciple is one that is generous. You are generous. Well, you know, at work, I really don't know what I would be able to pray. You've got 10, 20, 30 years of pray over their years of prayer. And a prayer is not one that sounds great. It's just sincere. You have so much to give. Well, you know, how about counsel to help someone? Well, when, you know, I'm just not really that kind of counseling person. I don't read a lot or whatever. You've got 10, 20, 30 years with the Lord of, counsel, of, of experience to counsel somebody with. And Jesus is saying, freely you received, freely give. Be ready to encourage. Be ready to be willing to serve. And even if you can't do it, if someone needs some help, find from other Christian friends how to serve those people. To be generous in giving. You've received. You, you can give that and so much more. Verse 9 and 10 says, Do not acquire gold or silver or copper from your money belts or bag for your journey, or even two coats or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. This passage here is not saying that never to have two coats or a couple pairs of sandals or, or a bag for your journey. Uh, this was a specific uh, setting and scenario where they're being sent out on a short-term mission trip. And they're saying, you're just going to focus on God and I'm going to bless you during this time and you just focus on God and others and ministry. These other needs are going to be provided for you. Have you ever been on a short-term mission trip? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to go. Spare Missions offers that uh, during the year, but mainly in the summer. We've had to, uh, in a sense, cancel our trips these last two summers because of the pandemic the protocols in honduras are very strict there even now uh, because they hardly have any vaccinations uh, available for their people so they're uh as a as a society they're they're still waiting for vaccinations to come and make be available to those who need it and want it but the mentality of a short-term mission trip is lord i'm going to provide uh, ask you to provide the money to go there's going to be sacrifices you make. There's going to be ways to trust the Lord to provide the money. And, and so you're using your faith to just before you even go. And there's preparation of, with the team and preparing your heart. And then when you're there for the week, the 10 days, the two weeks, three weeks, it's ministry every day. Where you're setting everything aside and you're not doing a regular routine and you're focusing on whom God has sent to you, that people group, that community, that neighborhood, and you're just devoting yourself from morning to night uh, on this ministry. In everyday life, you can't do that. You've got to take care of work and school and do homework and, and all this. So young people plan on going on a mission trip during your teen years, and, and you old fogies like me, go if you haven't gone before. It does, God does training in you as Jesus is sending out this 12 for training. And it trains you in a whole other atmosphere. 
And it's one you don't want to miss it. You see in a third world country, for example, a whole new approach to life, a whole new set of needs in the world, and it, it will change your heart. So this is that setting. He's saying, do not focus on your material needs uh, and, and just focus on me in ministry. So that's what it is. Where's the focus of a disciple? You trust God for your needs. And that's true every day, whether you're out on a short-term mission trip or here at home. You focus on God because he is going to provide your needs. Don't get caught up in, the, in what he warned us in the Sermon on the Mount of, of where you have this choice in everyday life. Am I choosing God or mammon? The worldly way of looking at money and trusting in money and material things. Yes, material things are needed. They're blessings from God. But have your attention on spiritual things and God will provide what you need. These are the things that God is bringing together in this, what does a disciple look like? Holy Spirit, show us for us today as a disciple of you what you want it to look like in our life. Let's look at Matthew 10, verses 11 through 15. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Wow, these are some strong words in here. God takes seriously those who we minister to. And he wants us to leave a blessing of peace. Now, peace there in the Hebrew understanding of peace is the word shalom. And it's a greeting, it's a blessing, and, and they still say it today and among Hebrew and Jewish people around the world and Israel, you say shalom as a greeting, but it's not just a hello. When you say shalom, you're leaving a blessing of peace over their family, over their health, over their uh, success and prosperity. You le- you're leaving a blessing when you say shalom. And so that's the idea here. God wants us to leave a blessing where we go. But if we are rejected, if the message of Jesus is rejected, are we supposed to be mean? No, we, but we, we can just shake the dust off our feet. Don't let it bother you. Don't, don't let it uh, offend you. Don't get into anger and bitterness. Just release them. Just shake the dust off your feet and go on. There's others that God has, has appointment for you to, to minister to. And if the timing was wrong, that time will open back up. And you can minister to that person. But don't let it bother Just shake the dust off your feet. Go on. There's others that God is going to send you to. Wow, it sounds like, you know, if somebody rejects me, then I could kind of, you know, uh, speak, uh, you know, fire and hail and brims, uh, fire and brimstone over them, just like Solomon and Gomorrah. No, that's not what it says. God had great mercy over Sodom and Gomorrah. You know how bad it got in that city? There was perverted, violent evil in that city, so rampant. It was just uh, Lot's family, four people that were the only ones that were righteous out of a a big city of, of perhaps thousands of people. 
So God in his mercy let it get really bad before he did bring judgment on the city. And it's not us that bring judgment. He says, listen, you just shake the dust off your feet. You go on and, and it will be God who will deal with that city in a just and merciful way and God's way and timing. So you're, you're not going to be, uh, you know, uh, into, uh, you know, speaking judgments. That's not, you just release it and go and let God will, will take care of what that city deserves. But this imagery of being into a, a person's home and staying there, it's, it's one that they understood well because in their culture, something that we've lost and sometimes for safety reasons, but hospitality was just a, was understood. You, you helped travelers. You blessed them. You helped provide for them. And that's what uh, is happening here is that he's saying, listen, you, you just... God, I'm going to provide for you through the hospitality. You bless people that, uh, and with peace that you um, uh, are with, and, and I'm going to bless you. Don't worry about those material things. So what does a, a disciple leave behind? You give blessings of peace. That's what you leave behind. That's what you want to happen with that that friend at, at work that you're planting seeds with, that they say, man, you know, every time I'm with that, with that person during break time or lunchtime, I just, they just, you know, they encourage me. They lift me up. I just, I just feel a compassion and love. Uh, they leave a peace every time uh, I'm with them at lunchtime. That's what we do. That's what we leave behind. Now, during this message, I have been focusing on this event in Matthew 10 where uh, Jesus is sending out this, the 12 on this short-term mission trip to uh, empower him from them to now what they've seen for a year, year and a half or more, these, these workings of miracles, the way Jesus, uh, with the authority of God, breaks through these great needs in people's lives, and he's sending them. I'm looking forward to the chosen series on how they depict this. I know we've heard us mention it before, and, and uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great uh, so far series where they're, um, you know, really bringing out um, uh, different aspects of the life of a Jewish people of that time. And, uh, of course, they're using, you know, that whole uh, Hollywood license. They're not Hollywood, but that license to develop the story. They're not word for word out of Scripture, but they keep a good context and and what is it going to be like when Peter and Andrew pray for somebody and they see the healing and they speak, uh, come out in Jesus' name to a demon and, and it have, what is their facial expressions going to be like? I'm just really looking forward because we're getting to know these disciples, their potential way they interacted with each other. But there's another place in the Gospel of Luke that in Luke chapter uh, nine, it, Jesus sends out the 12. But it's a little bit later in chapter 10 where Jesus sends out the 70. Because some of us are thinking, you know, well, that, that's the 12 apostles. That was those 12 leaders. Jesus just did it with the leaders. He just did it with the big honcho guys. Now, he then while he was still in his ministry on earth, 
He didn't wait till, well, I, I taught uh, for three years and these great uh, big meetings and teaching times and in small groups and of 12 and even took the three aside. I've, I've done one-on-one disciple teaching. I, I just taught and taught and taught and taught. No, he did more than that. He released them. He empowered them. He gave them his authority. He said, go do this. Even while he was on the earth. He gives in Luke chapter 10 a long pep talk that getting them prepared similar to the one we've been going through in Matthew 10, but some more details. And he really prepares them well. And, and, um, and, and they come back uh, just with joy and saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And, and Jesus said, yes, I saw Satan crash like lightning, a great defeat. Uh, he was so excited to see them come back with these testimonies and victories of God's joy. Of victory, And I'm going to read a couple verses here, or verse out of Luke chapter 10, verse 21. It says, at that very time, Jesus, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. Uh, he, he said, what? He said, you, you've, you've hidden these things from the wise intelligent and revealed them to, to infants. Uh, oh, Jesus, is that a compliment? Are you saying that we're stupid? How am I supposed to take that? He's saying, oh, this pleases me because it, you don't have to be a Christian a long time and have a seminary degree. You don't have to uh, be mature and distinguished. Listen, I'm giving my authority to even young, just brand new Christians, infants in the Lord. I'm giving them when they're young and, and even immature, and I'm sending them out, and they're going to learn as they go, and I'm empowering them now. It's not a, something you have to earn and wait. I'm sending them out way before you and I would ever send them. But this delegation of ministry is the heart of Jesus. In fact, so much, he says here, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. So what kind of uh, impact do you have on Jesus when you are a sent one? You, you just get Jesus happy. You just make him, this is, this is something that he rejoices, he gets pumped, he starts doing a little dance, he probably gets with Joel on the pogo, pogo stick in heaven, and he's just going, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, yes, did you see that, disciple? Out of living waters. They were sent one, and they have my authority, and they're praying for the, the sick and the hurting, and they're changing atmospheres and, and office buildings and neighborhoods. Oh, boy, they're getting excited. So we need to know that here in this study as a disciple, yes, be a student, be a learner. Oh, get in the Word privately and corporately and find all your favorite YouTube teachers like I do too and listen to them so often. But the heart of being a disciple is to go make disciples. It's to be a sent one. It's really not an option. It's just part of being called as a follower of Christ. 
And so I want to have a special prayer over you, and I'm going to ask um, Pastor Philip to come up, uh, Vernon to come up, and Doc, why don't you come up as well? And I'm going to ask all of y'all to come up on stage and to pray over us in just a moment. Just to review, what does a disciple look like? Y'all come on, walk on. Yeah, go ahead. Move on up here. What does a disciple look like? What does Jesus want us to be? You have been given authority. He equips you. He doesn't leave, send you out empty-handed. He equips you and he gives you his authority. You are a sent one. You are generous and you just give whatever's needed. You do your best you can. Prayer, encouragement, service, whatever. You're, you're generous. You trust God for your needs and you give blessings of peace. That's what you leave behind when you're done talking in tongue and, and, and done in, converse, in a conversation. And Jesus is impacted so much, he gets happy. He gets excited. He gets thrilled. Gentlemen, just pray what's on your heart. But I'm, I believe this is, these are commissioning prayers over us. Empowering prayers. Being, we're, a commission is being sent out. And we're, I'm going to ask you to, to stand uh, and to receive these prayers standing. That you are standing before the Lord saying, Lord, I'm, I'm seeing how you want me to look like, be like the image of a disciple for my life. And I'm saying yes to that. And these prayers are just empowering me and confirming how you're working in me to be a sent one today. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's today. One microphone here, so whoever wants to go first can grab it, and we can just share. I don't want another. Thank you, Elise, for continue playing. I'm sorry. Before I pray, I had this experience uh, about two or three weeks ago on my vacation. I was at the beach, and we went to a beach that we haven't usually been going to, the one we normally would go to over the years is uh, very few people there. It's a wide open space. And and this year we went to a place where there were thousands of people sitting shoulder to shoulder, five rows deep. And as I walked along the shore uh, a couple of times, but one in particular, the Lord just had me look upon that sea of people. And he just asked me, do you love these people enough? Do you love these people enough to witness, to share? This, this, is, this is who I died for. And I began to wonder how many in this sea of people really knew Christ. And how could I stand there and do any proclamation? But I believe he was saying to me, above all, will you have compassion? And will you love them? Will you see them like I see them? And my my good brother over here, Corey Maddox, I've been, we and I have been meeting together some, and he, he uses this phrase all the time, Lord, break our heart with what breaks your heart. And I think lost humanity breaks his heart. So let, let me pray. Father, would you do just that? Would you break our hearts with what breaks your heart? 
and cause us to have that compassion, the love that's, that you had when you looked upon the multitudes, could we also have it? Would you put that in my heart? It's not naturally there for me. And I confess that as a weakness in my own walk with you, my love for you, my love for people. Would you stir up that compassion in us and make us bold witnesses for Jesus Christ, casting fear aside and step up with courage. God, I proclaim that, declare it over this body of believers right here in Jesus' name and ask for you to adorn us with the not just a skill because we know it's not really skill, it, it, not, not, a, not a learned thing, but just a willingness to speak up for Jesus and to share Christ with others. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we just, we just pray over, all, over each other, over all of us, that what happened to those Emmaus Christians when they walked with you and you opened the word to them. Lord, when you open the word, it, as, the, as the scripture says, and their hearts burn within them. Lord, I just, I just pray that what happened to them, they had to go back and tell what happened to them. Lord, I pray when we leave Living Waters today, after having heard the word, the testimonies, that we leave with a burning heart. Lord, that what you have done for us is burning in our heart to tell somebody else the good news of what God in Christ has done for them. Let it, Lord, don't help us not to make it legalistic. Help us to make it an honor and a privilege to tell the best news we ever had in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, help our eyes to see like yours do. When we look at this sea of humanity around us, let us see what you see. Let us see the hurting, the rejected, the shamed, the poor, the hungry, the lost. Let us see with your eyes, Holy Spirit. Without you, we see nothing but the world. But with your eyes, O oh God, and focused on you, on the cross, and what you did there, we want to see what you see. If you have to break our hearts to do it, we're willing. If you have to change us, we're willing. If you have to open up new venues, new ways for us to minister, we're ready. We're open. For it's all about you, Holy Spirit. It's all about you. We're only here right now because of your grace and mercy. Otherwise, we would be with that sea of humanity, lost and on their way to hell. We don't want that. Holy Spirit, let your eyes be our eyes. That we can hear those words when it is over. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But, Lord, let us remember so many are going to hear the other words. 
Depart from me. I never knew you. We don't want to hear. We want them to hear that, Lord. We want them to hear that they were okay with you. In Jesus Christ's name. In Jesus Christ's name. I see the Holy Spirit is putting a backpack on the back of everyone here. If you're not very strong, the backpack he's giving you is very light. If you're young and strong, the backpack he's giving you is very heavy. But you're well able to carry it. And this is everything you need to minister. Wherever you go, whoever you're around, your backpack, he has filled up with every tool every item you need to minister. Never doubt He has called you for such a time as this. In Jesus' name. Jesus, Lord Jesus, you were sent by your Father. Lord Jesus, you send us with a backpack with all that we need. So, Lord, we, we go in faith. We go with uh, maybe some fear. But, Lord, you're greater than that. Your empowerment's greater than that. So we, we go. We are sent ones. We're on the move. We've been urgently thrust off into a mission. And we say yes to that mission. Thank you for going with us. Thank you for leading us. Giving us your heart of compassion. I'm going to ask our altar ministry teams to become available here on the sides. We want to offer prayer to you about anything.